Hello and welcome. I am so glad you're here. I'm Beth, a creator-based coach with CMH Coaching for Life. I'm here today to help you and those you love create a life you feel grounded and at home in. Think of a life where you feel peace, love for those around you, and in a flow with just enough challenge to keep you happy and creating something wonderful. Sounds like magic, but it's not. You can create that life every single day. You can have a life full of love, excitement, hope, and creation. Our mission at CMH Coaching is to flood the earth with light through compassion, mindfulness, and hope. And I'm going to ask a favor of you. If you like what you see and hear today, think of someone you know that would enjoy and benefit from this message. Our mission is to flood the world with compassion, mindfulness, and hope. Share this with them. But for now, this is time just for you. So settle into whatever you're doing and enjoy this time with the girls where we create that one awesome, amazing, perfect life every one of us is seeking. is oh my gosh she has just the most incredible story just like you guys do each and every one of us has an incredible story and we've been talking all month february friendship february about grit and grace you know the grit it takes to like stand up brush yourself off and get going again and then the grace that we have to give ourselves and give others and the grace that we receive from our creator who, who gives us that peace and helps us know that, man, we can do it all over again. So um, Mandy has had some stuff going on. Um, she was, she was married early, um, much like I was, I, I think you were married probably a little bit younger <laughs> than I got married, but um and then she lost her husband early on. Um, she's been through a divorce and remarriage, and she's also been through uh, breast cancer most recently and kicked that to the, yeah, kicked it in the butt. She's <laughs> um, a superhero. She is. And through all of this, you guys, she has raised amazing an amazing family like four children who are just the salt of the earth so i i am just so excited to hear from mandy and hear what she wants to share um we're just going to let her share from her heart so mandy this is um and guys we've shared this but i'm going to cut it down just a little bit for the past few weeks so in Brene's brown Brene brown's book rising strong there we go. Well, there we go. Yeah. Um, this is, I'm just going to read directly through it. And it's from the man in the arena speech. I'm not going to read that whole caption like I've been doing. I'm just going to cut part of it down. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or the, or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually, or the woman who is actually <laughs> in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. She strives valiantly. She's the one at the best 
and ending end who knows the triumph of high achievement. But at the worst, if she fails, at least she fails daring greatly. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, the one whose face is marred and dust and sweat and blood. And if we stop right there, you guys, if we just stop right there, how, how do you get back up from that arena floor when, you know, when you, when you are tripped, when you just skin your knee or when you are just laid flat out? flat out. Um, Mandy, like you and I really have never discussed this like in depth. It's been more. So Mandy, just so you got y'all know, Mandy lives in Maryland. I live in Oregon. So we are like coast to coast. Right. And, and um, we maybe see each other once a year or every other year or something like that. And it's usually with big family gatherings. So there's really not a lot of opportunities to, to go in deep like this, but um, man, Mandy, what, what are some, what would you like to share? What are some times or what is a time you one, or you can choose multiple when you found yourself just face down? Um, so I think for me, it would have to go all the way back to, um, being a young mother, getting pregnant early, um, being married young. And then, and I say young, I was 18 when I had my first son. Um, I struggled then because I never found out who I was in as an adult. And when I was reflecting, getting prepared to talk today, I feel like, um, as I've encouraged my children to figure out what they're going to do with their lives, I never feel like I or felt like I took that opportunity for myself. Um, so I've always been fighting, making sure that I'm able to take care of my children and provide them a home and everything that they need. So that was just my focus. So it was just do what I had to do to survive. Um, and then when I was 20, I was eight months pregnant with our daughter and my husband was killed in a car accident. Um, so then it's just survival mode again, you know, um, gosh, I told myself I wasn't going to do this today. (laughs) Um, it's okay to do it though. It really is okay. Those are tender things and it's really, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, um, (laughs) so that was when I was 20. Um, and I gave birth a month after he was killed. Um, moved back in with my parents at that time. We had just bought our home, um, had only lived, we hadn't even made our first mortgage payment yet, if you can believe that. <clears throat> so that was pretty intense. So on top of everything, you know, this was our home. We were our life we were making. Um, so how, old was, in, how old was Cody? How old was Cody at that time um, too? He had just turned two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, dealing with that on top of it, how do you tell your two-year-old daddy's never coming home? And then I give birth and she's never met her father, mm-hmm. um, which has been challenging for her over the years. Um, so I moved home for a while um, while I was on maternity leave so that my parents could help. Um, 
And then I I felt like um, just hollow for a long time. Um, You know, and then you deal with that guilt for your children. Like, what did they miss out on while their mother is, you know, grieving and they don't understand? Um, For me, I think that first year was vital. Um, There were so many uh, moments that I felt like if I could just get through the first the first time and the first holiday or the first anniversary or the first Christmas that you know what I mean just all those firsts I felt like I could um I could do anything after that so I think the um praying about that was helpful and finding my way through that and navigating that process um and those challenges in the first year and then I remember going to his gravesite um, on the year anniversary and just sitting there. And I will never forget the feeling. Um, <clears throat> a, a very good friend of mine kept the kids for me so I could just go and be alone. And I will never forget uh, there was like all these like sparkles is the only way I know how to describe in the air, like right around his grave. And I just felt like that was a moment that um I knew things would be okay I felt like that was like God just giving me that gift to let me know there's something special you know you don't just see sparkles floating through the air you know what I mean no you don't so it was just um for me I felt like that was a turning point um I do wish that I had got some therapy before because it took me about six years to do anything because I felt like I was strong enough to do it on my own I didn't have the money to do it um I didn't have the time and I never made that time for myself and I wish I had because I found a Christian counselor um years later it was about six years and she really helped me through the grieving process and I think that that is the biggest takeaway that I had from that counseling in that period because once I understood what the grieving process was and each of the steps in the process, I walked myself through that. And I was like, okay, this is what I was going through during that time. And, you know, the anger and the hate and the even being sick and just um, questioning God, you you know what I mean? Um, Once I got through all of those things, I felt, and I could reflect back on that. I felt like another that was another point in my life when I could say, okay, now I've made it through this. Now I've made it through this. And it just made it easier to, um, to get through things. So that I feel like that was the biggest takeaway from, from that counselor. And um, I wish I didn't wait so long, but maybe it was just part of the journey and part of what I had to go through to get to that point. Um, And I was remarried, uh, met my husband now who I'm with when Jenna was two. Cody was four. Um, he was a Marine and felt like he had to come in and save the day. I think, you know, just looking back at things, it was like it was an instant connection and instantly he was ready to take on a ready-made family and all the baggage that came along with us. Um, and we were his requirement, you know, for himself not that we were both going to church regularly at the time, but he knew that the woman that he was going to marry was going to be a God fearing woman and a God loving woman. And that 
you know, that was very important to him. So we aligned on that. And then it was just like everything from there um, worked. It just worked. We figured out how to make everything work. And um, he and I were married and um, Joss, or excuse me, Jenna and Cody, my first two from my first marriage, um, they struggled a little bit when we got pregnant with Jocelyn, our middle daughter, um, <clears throat> especially once she started speaking and, you know, when you're talking, oh, there's mommy, oh, there's daddy. And they didn't call anybody daddy at that time. So that was like a pivotal moment I felt um, that brought our family together because they asked if they could call him daddy. And nice. that was, I felt like it was okay. Like it was, I never wanted to be that woman that pushed that on my children or um, that wanted them to do that. I wanted it to be something they wanted because I never wanted to push their, their father out <clears throat> or make them feel like um, he wasn't important. And my current husband took over or anything like that. Um. So, of course, there's challenges whenever you blend a family or, you know, you have children um, with another man. Um, but I, I feel like we've done it well and I feel like he's done it well. He completely accepted my Cody and Jenna and my children as his own from day one. And I think that that makes a huge difference in the life of a big family. And um our oldest son had some struggles as he was becoming a man and graduating high school. And <clears throat> um, I think it was very difficult for him. He's getting better now. He's 27, but he still struggled and still struggles because I think he wants to know who his father was and what he was about. Um, you know, there's some things that I won't go into with that, but I, I, I thoroughly believe that God, <clears throat> that this happened because God was watching out for us. Um, mm. There were some things that it, it wasn't a healthy relationship. Um, and I think my life and their lives would be totally different if he were still alive today. Um, so I feel like it's a blessing, um, even though that's awful to say, and I, I don't mean it to sound awful. I don't mean to make people angry or upset, but I definitely feel that there's, you know, I, I thoroughly believe God does everything for a reason. He knows our path before we're born and knows what is going to happen. And um, so I trust in that. I, I trust in it every time I think about anything um, and try to apply it to whatever is going on in my life. Um, my aunt Jacine spoke about my breast cancer diagnosis. I was 42. Um, <clears throat> I went for my very first mammogram on a Friday, actually three years ago tomorrow. Wow. And then, yeah. So that was a Friday afternoon on Monday morning. I was hiring a new employee and the radiology team was calling me, calling my cell phone. Um, they called the office and they interrupt my uh, one of the employees at our office interrupted me and she's like, they said, you have to get on the phone now. So I took the call um, and they wanted me to report there immediately. And I told them I couldn't. So um, it was a few hours later that I was able to go over and still not telling me anything. Um, they did another mammogram and then did a sonogram. And then 
sat me in the room with the radiologist and right there, she told me it was breast cancer. So that was, um, took the wind out of my sails, needless to say. And this was when COVID first started. Mm-hmm. So in oh, our really? area, yeah, in our area, COVID was shutting everything down like two weeks after that. So right when I'm supposed to be getting biopsies and getting all of these appointments and you're going around and around, everything has changed because, you know, nobody can go in with you. We're all wearing masks. We're all like, nobody knows what's happening. So there's all these precautions and getting to second opinions was, you know, it was all this telemed was starting at that time, really ramping up. So, um, It was very scary. Um, I had genetic testing done because my mom had breast cancer when she was 47, which we were both considered young, mm-hmm. um, very young. And it came back that we, I had a, a gene called PALB2, which meant that I had a 60% chance of getting another breast cancer once this one was cured. Um, and then I think it's 40% ovarian cancer and then like 15% for um, pancreatic cancer. So I immediately decided on double mastectomy um, just to try and eliminate that breast cancer coming back and having another breast cancer. Um, So I had that surgery and then they thought because my cancer was so small, I wouldn't have to have chemo. Six weeks later, I'm finding out I have to go through chemo, four months worth. But thankfully, I didn't have to have radiation since I had had a double mastectomy. Um, And I just, I remember going into surgery, it was April 29th of 2020. My husband literally had to drop me off at the doors. Nobody could go in. And they were doing no elective surgery. So there was me and maybe one other person there that day. Um, and typically the surgery, you would stay overnight for two days. They literally sent me home that day oh, and wow. my husband had to in the parking lot, him and my uncle actually sat in the parking lot all day and all night waiting for me to come out. Um, and I, I remember going in that morning, my best friend and her daughter came and we all prayed together my husband, my uncle, myself, um, because I I was so anxious. I had so much anxiety and I feel like that night I slept really well. And then going in that day, you know, I wasn't afraid. I didn't feel afraid. And I really feel that um, God did his part um, to help me through that because I was terrified. I was alone. Um, as far as people, you know, I didn't feel alone because I knew God was with me. Um, but I still, I, I don't feel like in anything I've been through that I ever questioned why me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been reflecting on that for a while now because um, there's a young lady that is really good friends with Cody. She's 34 and she has breast cancer. She had three tumors. Um, and the doctors wouldn't listen to her and she's a registered nurse. Um, and they weren't listening to her, but she was terrified. She's got a five-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old daughter. Um, and she's a single mom. So I feel like, um, you know, whenever I hear of these stories, I just feel like 
this journey that God has given to me is because he trusted me enough to help others. So Aunt JC, when you asked me about this, I totally feel like um, <clears throat> it makes it easier. I mean, not dredging up all of the feelings clearly because I'm a mess right now, but, you know, talking about things and being able to be open. Some women are not. Um, but I, I feel like that's the reason that I've been given this journey. I also very much feel I'm not done. Um, I feel like there's more to come. I've never felt like this chapter was closed. Um, so that's a little bit difficult sometimes, but I still don't question why me. And so many people ask that question, you know what I mean? Like they think, and you hear them say this, why God, why me? Why did you do this to me? But why not? Is kind of how I feel. Like, what can you do with this? And what can you do with the challenges that you're given to help someone else and to let them know, you know, that they're, they can be strong and they can get through it. And <clears throat> no matter what challenges you face, that you have to be open to knowing that you can trust God to get you through it. And if you don't get through it, there's a reason. Maybe that story is for someone else to tell. And maybe that is um, what God has given to somebody else to be able to help someone who never thought they could or didn't have the courage or um, the grit and the grace to get through it. Um, I definitely think that... Um, <clears throat> Oh, uh, that's why my story isn't coming to an end yet. I think that there's more and I think there's more people that I'm supposed to touch and um, share my story with and that they can see that women get through it, that you can get through whatever he's giving to us. Um, mm -hmm. I remember <clears throat> when I found out I was going to have chemo, it was like, Four days later, I was in the hospital getting a port put in. And then a week later, I started chemo. And I remember my oncologist telling me that I was going to lose all of my hair. So not only did I lose my breasts, now I'm going to lose all of my hair, which was the one thing that I truly loved about myself. Um, you know, I've struggled with um everything about myself at some point in my life, you know, my thighs are too big or my butt is too big or my arms or, you know, my stomach, you know, no matter what it is, none of us are ever, we're never happy with ourselves, but my hair was the one thing about myself that I woke up every day and was thankful for. Um, and that was taken from me and that was huge. And I think I take that as God stripping me away and making me realize that my self-worth is not my hair or my breasts or my female organs that are now gone, that there's more to me. And um, my hair's grown back. As you like know, it looks <laughs> yeah, it was, it was perfectly straight before. Now I have, I mean, I don't know if everybody can see, but these That's kinky, cute. crazy curls I got. Um, so I'm thankful to have hair again. But it has really made me spend some time reflecting with myself and um, realizing that 
there's more to me than my hair or my body or uh, <clears throat> the vanity, I guess, of all of it. There's so much more. And I feel like that's what God has given the gift that he's given me that I finally at 45 years old, um, I can reconcile with that. That's some, um, that's some incredible grace, right? Being able to look at that and being able to take that away and share and it's interesting, guys, because Mandy talks about all of these hard things, but um, her, my husband, Mark, and I sat back and we watched this incredible woman, this 20-year-old girl, pick herself up and carry on. You know, she just, you had a choice. You could have stayed, and even though you had all those emotions you had a lot of emotions. You had a lot of worries. You had a lot of cares. You had the weight of the world. Mm -hmm. You in, in each of those instances and throughout her life, she's been able to choose and make that choice where I am going to stand up and I am <laughs> going to forward. And I, you know, there's a song by, um, Oh, Gosh, um, what Judd, Winona Judd. And she's like, when you hit rock bottom, you've got two ways to go straight mm -hmm. up or sideways, right? You got, well, three <laughs> ways, you know, left or right side of this, right? Yeah, right? But that's what we watched. And in, in our opinion, and you probably didn't feel that way, but those who were around you watched this woman go straight up. You know, there were times that you had to go sideways a little bit here and there. You know, it wasn't mm -hmm. a straight journey, but it was like a little wiggly line. But man, you climbed, you climbed and you continue to climb. And <sighs> it, you know, I heard you talk about that you had to do those things for your kids. Mm -hmm. um, but I hear also that you're choosing to do it for yourself and for others. Yeah, I feel like now, um, I mean, definitely in those early days, it was about my children. Like <clears throat> they had just lost their father. They can't lose their mother in this process as well. And that was important to me. I remember my place to cry was in the shower every day. And I would give that to myself because my children didn't see that. So I felt like I was helping them while helping myself. <laughs> Um, because I didn't want them to see me struggle every single day. Like you can't do that. You have to pull yourself up. There are people who rely on you and um, need you. They just need you. And you can't let them down. That's, I guess, one of my character flaws or traits, whichever way you look at it. But it always matters to me about taking care of everybody else. And I always put everybody else in front of myself. So, you know, I think it's, it's both, it's a flaw and a gift. Um, but it's what got me through. And I feel like being able to look at it that way, it gives me an opportunity to continue to get through. Um, like I said, I just feel in my heart, I'm not done with this cancer journey. I, I pray that I am, but 
I really just, there's something in me that just feels it's not done. I'm not done with what my work is. Um, and I just don't know. It's terrifying. It's terrifying to say that out loud. Um, I've only talked to my best friend about it, but, um, you know, I, I just have to keep plugging along, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And trust. <clears throat> and trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Expect the good. Mm-hmm. You, you said that your biggest or one of your biggest struggles was your emotions. Mm-hmm. Am I hearing that correctly? Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, like you in loss, I found the best place to cry was the shower too. I wouldn't yeah. do it for my kids either. Yeah, yeah, but I could, if, and it was really effective for me if I started mm-hmm. to cry in sadness to go, okay, that can wait. We're going to do that in the shower in the morning yes. and you could stop it. And then you knew that you had that time so you could do it. Yeah. 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 Really effective. Yeah. And, yeah, and I'll, never, I'll never forget the morning that I didn't cry. Mm-hmm. There was it's a weird, right? And I was like, huh. Yeah. I feel all cried out. I feel like I have no tears left. And that was emotional. You know what I mean? Because then you're questioning why you're okay now. You know what I mean? Not that you're okay, but why don't you, why aren't you crying? And a little guilty that you didn't have to cry that morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It is common to us all. I think if we had a hundred women in the room, everybody would have gone through the, I feel guilty because I feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, a lot of women really struggle with the, the big emotions. Is there anything else that worked well for you with the big emotions that the grace part of the grit? I know I heard you say getting up for your children was huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like I didn't feel like it was my time to leave this earth. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like having that sense, I I, I don't know. I feel like I'm just very in tune with myself maybe. Uh Um, So I never, I never felt like it was the end for me. And I think that that provided me some hope and the kick in the rear that I needed to get up and get moving every day. There's the um, yeah. And to know that I had to fight, like I had to, I had two kids still in high school. Um, only one daughter married with one grandchild. So there was no way I was ready to go. I didn't work this hard to get where I am today to not have the rest of my life and all of the wonderful things that come with being older to look forward to. Um, And I prayed about that. I prayed that God would not take me, that he would give me that opportunity that I'd been through all of this. I didn't want to go now. I wanted um, to experience the rest of my life and with my family and I was terrified to leave them like that and I prayed that he would not let that happen 
that he would give me more. And I just, again, I trusted it. I trusted in it. And you know, what's really crazy is today um, I had to get blood work done. I have a oncology appointment this week on, if you can believe it, three years to the day that I was diagnosed. And I just, I have this terrible feeling and I just prayed to God that he would take the anxiety of it away for me. But that if it is something else, that he gives me the strength again. Um, and I still don't feel like it's the end of my journey. And I don't feel like it's the end of my life. But mm. I do feel like he is not finished with me. And that's all I can keep thinking. I don't know. Maybe there's more to it. Maybe there's something great to come out of it and something great that's going to happen instead of something horrific like cancer again. But I just, there is just this gnawing feeling. Um, and I, that's what I prayed was that if it's nothing, please take that away and please at least take the anxiety away. I can deal with anything if I don't have the anxiety um, because then I can trust and give whatever I'm feeling to him and the emotion of that, like I'm supposed to do. Um, but if it is something to please not let them overlook it when I'm at my appointment and let them hear me and let them look at everything collectively and let something be found early rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so what beautiful prayers. I don't know if I answered your question. I'm you sorry. Of course you did. <laughs> okay. And I love, I love your specific faith-filled prayers. Thank you. That's, I mean, it's not just, I want to feel better. It's very yeah. specific. This is Lord, if it be thy will, this is what, mm-hmm. this is what, would you do this for me? And mm-hmm. that is, that is true grit in and of itself is to think it through and with your intellect and your faith, create what you want to have happen in prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Thanks. Yeah. And we'll be praying for you too. Thank so, you. <laughs> I yeah. appreciate it. I yeah. appreciate it. Man, I, I love, I'll never get tired of your story. I'll never get tired. Oh. Your your grit and your grace and just the amazing woman that you are. And um we never feel like we like we do enough or that we measure up in some way. But guaranteed everybody, each of you, you know, look at the hard stuff you've done in your lives and understand there are onlookers who may not say a word to you, but they are receiving of your strength and your light and your courage and, and it helps them in some way. And and you probably don't even know it. Courage is Mm -hmm. courageous. Mm -hmm. It really is when you, I'm sure you've seen it in the hospital and through the things that you've gone through. That when mm-hmm. there's one courageous next to you, you're stronger because of yeah. your courage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's amazing. Garth yeah. Brooks has, Garth Brooks has a song. They call he. It's called "Standing Outside the Fire," 
And I just want to read some of the lyrics because I feel like this is a great way to wrap up grit and grace. And um, just, we have all been in the fire. And if you haven't, you're missing out. I know that you might get burned, but doggone it. You got to get in there and just and live. And so here are the words. We call them cool. Those hearts that have no scars to show. The ones that never do let go and risk the tables being turned. We call them fools who have to dance within the flame. Who chants the sorrow and the shame that always come with getting burned. But you've got to be tough when consumed by desire because it's not enough just to stand outside the fire. We call them strong, those who face this world alone, who seem to get by on their own, those who will never take the fall. We call them weak, who are unable to resist the slightest chance that love might exist and for all forsake it all. They're so hell-bent on giving, walking a wire, convinced it's not living if you're standing outside the fire. Standing outside the fire, life is not tried if it's merely survived, if you're standing outside the fire. There's this love that is burning deep in my soul, constantly yearning to get out of control, wanting to fly higher and higher, I can't abide standing outside the fire. Standing outside the fire, life is not tried if it's merely survived, if you're standing outside the fire. So if you're standing in the fire right now, just know you'll have your time when you're not in the fire anymore. And, and you're right, right where you're supposed to be. You're right where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Feel it, live it know that that there's there's peace within within the fire there's peace within the fire lean mm-hmm. into it mm-hmm. best advice i ever got about anxiety and struggle is lean in mm-hmm. lean in allow yourself to feel it <laughs> yeah yeah i um i have a very good friends their son was diagnosed with aplastic anemia back at the end of december and he started chemo today and I went and visited him yesterday. Um, you know, thankfully his process is only about a month, but he has to have a bone marrow transplant and Ouch. a week of chemo and some radiation. But that was one thing that I, I remember I wrote in the card that I, I gave to them yesterday. Just you, I think I worded it something like you don't know the good unless you have the bad. Like you don't know how, how good you have it until you've had it really bad and, you know, <clears throat> praying that this is the worst it gets for them, but that this is a reflection time and a, <clears throat> it's a fight time. Mm-hmm. We all go through those times in our lives when <clears throat> we have nothing going on and, you know, you're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with myself? Or, you know, (laughs) I'm an empty nester now. So it's kind of weird these weekends where we're not chasing soccer games around and things like that. But I look at my life and I'm like, I don't know how to not be in the fire. Like when I'm not in it, I'm really like, what the heck is going on? (laughs) So I'm thankful for those times that I have had. Um, 
a lot going on and battles that I'm in the middle of and the fires all around. Um, but I'm really thankful for the times that I don't have that. And I don't think I would recognize that unless I had been there. So I think those are, are great words that Garth Brooks wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful words for closing. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thanks for having me. Courage and your vulnerability and your openness. Huge. Just so, so good. Thank you. Of course. For hosting the whole month. It's been just fantastic. Really fantastic. Grit and grace. This Saturday, we have a jumpstart coming up. It'll be on aroma freedom technique. And it is a beautiful way to work with anxiety and to work with all of those feelings. So Mandy, if you've got time, it's going to be a Zoom call. It'll be on our 5050 girl page and I'll send you a link. Okay, great. Beautiful, amazing tool for working with all of those big feelings to be able to let them process through and to feel better really makes a big, big difference. We got tomorrow and then Jason, you've got book club on Wednesday, right? What are you guys reading this month? You know, we are, we're probably going to get through two books this month. So the first one is called, where did I lose it? Like it's on my phone. How about I'll look at that? (laughs) Cause I I know I'm going to get the name wrong because it's longer. It's called the book woman of troublesome Creek. And it is actually based on a true story of the blue people in the hills of Kentucky and the first people to create a library up in the hills of Kentucky. Wow. Absolutely. We're talking about grit and grace. This is a woman who, who has it all. And it's kind of, it's a follow-up from the mountain is you. And we're going to talk about some of the things that we learned from the mountain is you, which is, um, you know, instead of self-sabotaging ourselves and building that huge mountain, getting rid of all of that junk so that we can move forward and we don't have to have that. Yeah. So that'll be the first book. And then if we finish that early, we're going to kind of see how it goes. The second book will be. Uh, the mutant message down under. Oh my gosh. I love that book. (laughs) That's a great book. Yeah. It's about the Aborigines down in um, Australia. So anyway, yeah, pretty cool. That's a book with lots of controversy. Some say it's true. Some say it isn't. So read it and tell us what you think. (laughs) It's a good one. Oh, they both sound just wonderful. And so yeah. if you don't finish this month, you'll just carry over into April. Is that what you're thinking? Correct. Yep. Yep. That sounds great. So sounds I'll post great. those on the 5050 Girl Club as well. So I'll do that. That sounds great. Yeah. Beautiful. Mandy, thank you. Thank you for having me. Amazing. Thank you. Amazing. And thanks everybody for coming. We'll talk to you again soon. Till next week. Bye guys. Bye y'all. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today in a creator-based life. I hope you felt that compassion, mindfulness, and hope you came seeking today. You can find more of it at cmhcoaching.com or on linktree slash cmhcoaching. Of course, any social media outlet, we're there too. Because you felt the benefit and light in this message, 
please invite those you care deeply about to join us. Help us to create a ripple effect across the globe of compassion, mindfulness, and hope. Then we can create a creator-based life together. Have a great week, y'all. We'll talk to you soon. Trick that I'll share with you. I can choose a better way with every little thought I think. And if I wake up with a bad attitude, I just fill my mind with gratitude. I give thanks, thanks for everything with every little thought I think. I can choose to be happy, choose to be free, moment by moment. It's all up to me, cause what I think.